my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Grassroots, the only podcast dedicated to local club women's rugby. In this accidental offside of a podcast, we discuss Molly's upcoming holiday, playing and coaching with mixability squads, and Sherry gets in trouble at the theatre. Our guest interview is a pitch-side special with Telford Hornets, and we discuss the merits, or otherwise, of relegation and promotion in post-Covid rugby. This podcast will be like sitting in the clubhouse bar with a pint after a game, and we hope you enjoy it. 22 months with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. I'm Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. I'm Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So Annabelle, you came down today with your boots and your bag. We're not really expecting to play. In the end, you got roped into it. How did it go? I did. Um, I'm getting on the pitch, actually. Yes, it's been it's been a while, but it was nice to dust my boots off and get back on again. Oh well, at the time, it relieved a lot. There's a lot of, lot of milk in my boobs, and it needed to get out. <laughs> and it also fed my baby. My baby was only 12 weeks old, to be fair, and I thought, I didn't think I was coming back on. So obviously, lo and behold, before you know it, you're rolling back on. Baby's not happy, but, you know, I wet his whistle. It's like I just wanted to have one episode where I didn't talk about flaps. Um, <laughs> no. But then now we're 21 seconds in, and here we are. So, update of the evening. No peppercorn sauce has been harmed in the making of this podcast. However... We've packed-ish. Josh has had a rant because I want to take six pairs of shoes, which I think is a reasonable amount. Wow, you've only got one leg. What are you doing? Walking up Kilimanjaro? Hang on. People take four pairs of shoes to a match sometimes. They take their boots, their sliders, their trainers that they drive in, and their post-match shoes. So actually... And shower flip-flops. Yeah, exactly. I think six pairs of shoes for eight days is a reasonable um, task. Where are you going? Mallorca. Does that mean that Josh has to take one pair of shoes? <laughs> yes, exactly this. So we've got 15 kilograms each. So basically what that means is 22 for me and the 13 for Josh. Yes. Your shoes and your thongs. There's no thongs. I don't go on holiday with thongs. One pair of pudgy smugglers and a pair of fit tops. The nudist beaches. Jesus, can you really see us going to a nudist beach? Yes. No, probably absolutely not. I don't get naked in the shower. I'm not getting naked on a beach in the middle of Do Spain. You get naked in the shower when you're just on your own. Well, yeah, at home, but shower etiquette. I've got my lucky pants on. She hasn't got a load of Spaniards watching her in her bathroom, though, has she? <laughs> We're never going to see them again. What's it matter? Yeah, but if Pedro's out and. Is that what you call your flap? No. Well, you're not going to see him down the boot and shoe next week, though, are you? No, this is true. <laughs> Anyway, I was thinking about this. If you brought a rugby team to Nantwich, where would you take them? Because we're pretty limited. Uh, the wheat sheath and then... The wheat sheath, that's in some batch. The Wickstead. That's the one. Oh, <laughs> Wickstead. Wheat sheath, Wickstead. <laughs> Our rugby club is a bit odd. Like, it's not really a pub as such. But there must be other teams that actually have a... Where they actually go to a pub as their after match. Like, I've been to loads of teams where we just go to a pub. Well, Lee is actually a pub. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. How good would that be? Well, Played for Eccleshall. That was actually run from the George in Eccleshall. Yeah, exactly. And that was really good. It was good. a pub team. Bloody loved it, actually. So I just think, wonder how many people have got a clubhouse and how many people have got a pub, because I'm all up for the pub. 
Actually, we had an interesting chat with Shez Says the other day, actually. Interesting and or ridiculous? <laughs> it was, it was, to be fair, it was a little more interesting than usual and less ridiculous. She's obviously <laughs> taken a Valium that day. She's <laughs> read an encyclopedia. Yeah, she hadn't exactly. had a vodka in Barocca. No, not that day. She just but had a Barocca. She was saying how post-match meal should be a full carvery. Yes, absolutely. I can't eat a full carvery after a game. Well, you've not done enough work then, Jodie. Yeah, you've not worked hard enough. It's 2T Sunday. So the discussion was, you know, obviously we got Reed in the kitchen with Emma. Emma's probably still there, actually, after last week. Chopping on Chained. Yeah, she probably is cleaning up. <laughs> Would you be willing to pay an extra few quid on your subs to combine your match with a full carvery afterwards? Yep. Yep. No. I'd pay a weekly fee. Sundays has been forever known in my whole rugby career as 2T Sunday. Yeah, you have rugby tea about 4pm and then you go home. Well, this is when I lived at home. And the mother goes and goes, oh, would you like some of our roast or our pasta bake or whatever she's cooked? Absolutely, mum, I would. We'll have 2T Sunday. It's a highlight. 2T Sunday has always been a thing. See, I always struggle with eating after matches. Yeah, so do I. Also, I have got deep pockets and short arms, so any more expenses, I'm just I'm like, I'm such a Scrooge, don't like to spend money. We just charge you up front, Jodie. Do you eat before a game? Um, I with that as well. Usually not, because I'm busy getting ready and I probably won't wake up until like 10 o'clock. Matt, I'm going to say something really abrupt and nasty, but not meant nasty. Me, you and Reed, our physique does not suggest that we do not eat <laughs> pre and post game. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. I'm tarnishing myself with the same brush, but I wasn't called Fat Andy for nothing. <laughs> Look, I used to have my breakfast, my pre-match meal, play a match and then have my first tea after the yes. match and then my second tea when I went home. So you managed to find a meal that went between breakfast and brunch, basically? Yeah. <laughs> the first things I usually ever eat on a Sunday when we've got a game is the halftime snacks. It's probably the first time I get to eat some of it. Is that because it's free, Jodie, and somebody gives it to you? <laughs> yeah. So that's why you don't eat after the match, because you're too busy rifling through the bins trying to find your tea for the following day. I just don't feel hungry after exercising. I think it just messes my stomach. And maybe it's the nerves as well. But You can drink three pints, but you don't want to eat. <laughs> Gotta save up. You never know. One day I might get player's player and I have to down a pint. I don't want to be full. My dream. Hey, it's a bit of news, by the way, speaking of rugby. Oh, wow. oh let's talk yes. about rugby now. Not on this podcast, Matt. Oh, actual rugby, yeah. I guess you might be playing on Saturday. Not you. Oh, you. Me. In the Vets game. We're all going, right, everybody, get out of the green and switch rugby club. For all our avid thousand listeners, can you just describe your pre-match routine, which obviously doesn't involve eating? My pre-match routine? Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be hilarious. Oh, will Fine. you be wearing your gloves? Yeah. And no, I've never worn gloves. See, I, I will have to dig out my lucky jock strap that I've been wearing since I was 17. That's disgusting. It's a little bit gross, if I'm honest. Is my it biggest pinnacle like reeds? It's definitely not the brilliant white it used to be. Do you know what? For this case, I'll make an exception and I'll put my hands in my pockets and I'll buy you a jock strap for Christmas. I'm looking forward to you that. You need Jodie. a new one. Judy, when have you ever bought a male jock strap? Do you even know what jock strap is? That's I don't know. I can imagine it's like <laughs> underwear. Underwear, isn't it? <laughs> But hard. So you know what oh, a thong God. is? Yes. If you imagine a thong, but with two back bits rather than one. And they so go, it doesn't go up the ass crack. It goes round the ass crack. Like a strap on. Yeah, it's got a pouch. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> apparently. And then it's got a little pouch at the front. 
that you keep your, your sandwiches in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're originally designed for cricket, and you put your cricket box in the front, this little pouch at the front. You put your cricket box in? <laughs> you do. You've got to keep yourself safe. But they're quite good for rugby. I am a little bit, genuinely, a little bit concerned. I don't think I have a pair of shorts that have survived the post-lockdown increase in chub. But you think your jock strap's still going to fit? Are they adjustable? It's not supposed to be adjustable. It's more the elastics knackered after being worn since I was 17. It's more of a ceremonial thing than a practical thing. Anyway, it's a possibility I might turn out. I'm a little bit concerned, if I'm honest, because originally I agreed to take part in the Fat Dads League about three months ago. And my plan was, I've got a few months, I can shed a bit of timber, get myself fit, remember how to touch my toes, revisit and, and relearn some of the magic in the old hands and so on. And instead, I've sat on my butt in front of a screen eating pies, so it's going to hurt. Yeah, but don't worry, because you can have two teas. You'll be grand. This is true. Actually, speaking of which, one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my life in a changing room happened the last time I turned out for Queen Anne's Witch Fat Dads. Stop calling it the Fat Dads. <laughs> yeah, we were sat in the changing room over in Macclesfield. We sat in the changing room in Macclesfield. And it's a bit of gallows humour before the game. Everyone was sort of, oh, you know, dusting off the boots and strapping up bits of their body, trying to find their gum shields and, and all the rest of it. This lad turned up, like, we all sat there in our in our shorts, trying to work out which of the shirts fitted. This lad walked in, dropped his kit bag, took one look around the room and said, fuck me, this is like a hairy maternity ward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It just absolutely had us in stitches. It was. It was an appalling game of rugby, but it was good fun. Well, in that case, I can't wait. I'll be down the rugby club Saturday watching. Shall I bring the video camera, dictaphone? Everything. I want blow-by-blow updates to my son lounger in Mallorca. (laughs) Yeah, deal. This is Anna from Telford Hornets, and this was their first game today, is that right? It is the first ever game as a ladies' development team. So we started this journey 18 months ago um, so 85% of our ladies have never played a match uh, only ever trained hope COVID hit so we just kept in and out trying to train when we can uh, and then the social media got us we got loads more people in trained and trained and trained them enter the league in um, NC3 we start on our first game in October which we're super excited about and then we did our first friendly so brought the ladies here today for their very first ever game so yeah amazing so how did you feel really good I think For our very first game as a team, I think we did immensely. We should be all immensely proud of ourselves. There's a few little things we know we can look up, but that's it. That's the whole part. We'll grow onto that. We'll take that back to training. We'll look at what we can do. And it is, like I've said to them all, it's like driving a car. You you can learn and learn and learn. As much as you train, it's not until you actually get on the game. And that's when the main sense of learning comes through. And from your perspective, where did you learn to play rugby? I learned to play rugby in the Navy. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I'm ex-military, so I was in the Navy, did 15 years in the Navy. I started my, I started off playing hockey, yeah. then I got poached by a rugby coach and said, do you fancy giving it a go? Left hockey and never looked back, started rugby and stayed in the Navy, then played, uh, and then moved up here and now playing for Telford. Whereabouts in Somerset? Uh, Yeovil. Okay. In Somerset, yes. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Taunton, so I know. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was at RNA Shapleton. Oh, right. So, yeah. Well, exactly. well, yeah. Well. Very good. So, looking at today's performance, then, what are the main things you're going to take away from it? Just, well, how. And there's no criticism. I think every single person on, on that we just played immensely well. Um, everyone gave it their all. The, com- the communication, the fitness levels was immense. And to, like I said, to, to say that we've brought these ladies that have never played rugby 18 months later and really only intense training for the last eight months because of 
because of COVID. Um, so we'll take this away. We'll say, you know, that scoreboard doesn't reflect what it was. You know, it was a really, really good game. We've got loads of stuff, from, um, you know, going to the scrums, the malls. You know, it's all just, again, learning to bring that into a sense. And now when we take it into training, they've all got sort of like a little focus and they know, ah, this is what, oh, that's that, how the mall is. We know how the scrum is. You can only scrum so many times against your own person or a scrum machine. Doing it differently with other people, yeah, it's great. What are the arrangements for the season then coming up? For the season coming up? Uh, so, like I said, this is our very first season as a team. Uh, we've now in NC3 uh, into the league. So our aim is just to go out, place really good, learn each game, keep learning, progressing, um, and then just become really, really good rugby players and hopefully go into the next level, into the next season and follow there. Brilliant. I must say, watching the game today did not look like a development team at all. There's some really talented players. Um, I love the, the, the way that you play for each other. That's so important in it when you first start as a team, isn't it? I think you can take a lot, a lot out of the yeah, game. I'm, I'm playing against squad. Yeah. You know, whilst there's a lot of players in, in, in the Korean Antwerp squad that are also new, and there's a lot of that were very new. I think overall, this was a great showcase of women's rugby, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. I think it was really good. Yes, we went to go for a development side to try and get that sort of same sort of level that we were at. But actual fact, I think this is what we needed. We needed to go that one step up. Mm. They're a great team, Crew Nantwich. They have got some really, really good players, but we, we kept at that level. We've shown them what we've got. They've shown them what we've got. And I think we should all go, you know, go home with our heads held high. Yes, we're a development league, uh, a development team. But yeah, like you said, I, you know, watch, hard to watch when you're playing, but mm. looking at the rest of them, you know, they played a lot higher late, uh, a level than what they give themselves credit for. Brilliant. I can definitely see a bright future for Telford, so well done today, brilliant. Thank you very much. Last question for me then, obviously our podcast is about all the rubbish things that happen in rugby. Uh, so Anna, what's the most grassroots thing you've ever seen? Uh, there's quite a few, but the only thing recently that I can think of from is no socks. Socks is a big thing for some reason that people don't seem to they forget, I don't know why. So I've had a few girls train in trainer socks or even play with no socks at all. I'd like to see the feet afterwards. What's your first? No, I don't think you would. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they would either. <laughs> Anna, best of luck for the season. Really enjoyed meeting you today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Matt, sorry to rein this podcast in very unlike me. I have a lot of packing to do, all these six pairs of shoes. and oh, you said you packed. And you ate thongs. There's no thongs coming on holiday. Actually, there's two. Two 20 packs of condoms. What? Right, I'm going to Mallorca. Everyone's got the preconception we're going to Magaluf. However, I am in a relationship and it is October. It's not like the strip is going to be banging, is it? Yeah, you've got to keep yourself warm. No condoms then? No. Oh. No, no condoms, no jockstrap. Well, I hope Josh isn't taking one or he's going in his own room. What's the criteria for tonight? Before we start that, right, so what day is it, Molly? <laughs> Thursday. What day are you flying out? Saturday. What time? <laughs> 6am, but we've got to be at the airport for 2am. So you've got at least 24 hours ahead of you where you can pack. How long does it fucking take to pack for? How long are you going for? So you know this thing called work? That is what I have from 8.30 till 5 tomorrow. How long are you going for? You can't actually tell me that you work non-stop 8.30 till 5. You don't just like put a load of washing on, sweep the floor. Are you working from home, Molly? I actually work. work I'm one of these people that turn the computer on at 8.30 and do not move till my lunch break and do not move till the end of the day unless I'm making a brew. That is it. I'm not a work from home, do my washing, do my nails, have a bath, all that. I'm a work from home, work. How long are you going to Magaluf for? Uh, Mallorca, seven days. So seven days. Jodie, how long would it take you to pack for a seven-day holiday to Mallorca? Bear in mind that it's quite warm, so you won't need a, a massive coat, a load of thermal socks, a few beanies some thermal underwear all that kind of stuff 
Well, I've got a funny story based around packing for holiday. So after, I don't know, we won something like really big, really important. I just got pissed, absolutely pissed. And I was going to Malta the next day. Uh, I was going with my nan. I remember this. So I got absolutely pissed. We ended up going around to Mary's and I was like, I've got got to leave at 6am or 5am to get this flight. Better go home. It's 3am. So I walked home in the dark back to my house. I thought, you know what? I'll just close my eyes for a minute just to get a little bit of sleep. And I get woken up by my mum going, Jodie, Jodie, get up. You're supposed to be catching a flight. It's like, shit. Have you packed? Looking at the bag on my floor, which is empty, that I should have packed the <laughs> night before. So I just grabbed a load of stuff, put it into my suitcase that was around and just hoped for the best. Luckily, I forgot my passport, so I didn't actually get on the flight. And I met my nan later. But when I was like, came back, I looked into my bag and I found some shit in there. <laughs> there was a laptop charger, no laptop. All the dirty clothes had been picked up off the floor, so it was just B.O. smelling clothes. I had no knickers, but I was going to Malta and I had quite a few jumpers, so three days old. So that's my packing technique. Three seconds before the flight departs. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Did you enjoy your holiday any less for this situation? No, it was good. I managed to find the passport, put the next flight out there, met my nana. My nana's not a modern nana. She doesn't have a mobile, so that makes it really difficult when she's in another country and you're trying to find her eventually met with her that's uh, that's what i do the moral of the story there molly but to be fair matt this has occurred once do you remember where we went to the wickstead not the wheat sheaf and we were with your pilot friend yes and we got very very pissed and i was due to fly out to gran canaria the next day oh god were and you? he might have been slash could have possibly been working the next day too yeah so we had a joke about the fact that he might be my pilot However, I went home after 10 dark fruits, woke up at 7am to my dad going, Molly, your flight leaves in four hours. Have you packed? Have a fuck. So he, bless him, got everything out of my wardrobe, (laughs) whacked it in the case and went, right, let's go. (laughs) He just put me on a plane. Amazing. So to be fair, Jodie, I've been there, but Dickie was on the case and he saved the day. Yeah, well done, Dickie. Oh, I need myself a dad. I've had many, many, many travel drama experiences. So I guess over the years, I've kind of hardened myself to the the reality of it. But I always find if you go to warm places, as long as you've got a wallet and your passport, you're fine. You can always go and buy a pair of pants and a a T-shirt. You've seen the in-betweeners, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, it might be quite good to discuss maybe tours at some point on one of the podcasts. That's a great shout. Conscious of time, obviously, Molly, you've got to use up the next 24 hours wisely, given <sighs> Fuck it off. putting four pairs of shoes in a, in a suitcase. Six, along six, with. Matt. Six, six pairs of it's shoes, six. 10 thongs and 300 condoms is going to be a difficult... <laughs> 300! Hey, Jesus Christ, everyone's going to think I'm a right goer on this pod. I am in a relationship and I will not be taking uh, four pairs of shoes at six. And now we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Molly Latham, crew and Nantwich ladies, ruptured medial ligament and strained left flap. Alex Graham, crew and Nantwich ladies, very sore left buttock. Kerry Jennings, Rochford Vixens, badly broken leg. 
Georgia Walker, devises ladies, anterior cruciate ligament tear. Josh Arnold, coach, red hot peppercorn sauce to finger. Jodie Hind, crew and Nantwich ladies, undisclosed venereal disease. Jordan Morris, gingerbread, every bone in her body. They shall grow not cold, as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the mud condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. Fire! Talking tonight about, about mixed ability squads and the challenges of both playing and coaching in a mixed ability squad. So most of the teams that I've spoken to on the interviews have all said the same thing, that it's a big challenge getting new blood into the team, keeping the, the uh, existing players interested, making sure that you keep the best players challenged in the rugby and so on, but make the environment really inviting as well. I've gone from no ability squad to fairly good ability squad. I was thinking back to when... I hadn't got any rugby experience and I was a total newbie and how that must have felt for others when I was part of that squad. But actually, it turns out we're all newbies, so it kind of didn't matter. But as I've gone along in the years, maybe it's because of experience. I'm kind of sadly a little bit intolerant I think of the less experienced players it doesn't matter if you've got inexperienced players in the squad but if you can't actually just follow with direct instruction that's quite frustrating whether you're inexperienced or experienced sometimes when you go to training depending on the divide of how many experienced players there is to how many newbies sometimes it can be really beneficial So it can be like, actually, we can split off here if you've got a couple of coaches and you can do a breakout session with the less experienced and then do something a little bit more complex with the more experienced players. But even then, that provides a challenge because some people be sensitive to be like, well, hang on a minute. Why am I in this group and not in the other? So I think that can cause quite a bit of friction. However, some sessions with smaller numbers, especially if there is a couple of experience mixed with six newbies, that can bring those newbies up miles you know it can make a massive difference for a couple of weeks just having that constant coaching I'd say my frustration sometimes is when you're doing the same drill week in week out and you feel like you're making absolutely zero progress and you're just doing two-on-ones every week or you're doing tackling or you're doing rucking again and you feel like the team isn't making any progress it can be quite hard to keep your head you know when you're still doing a two-on-one a three-on-two okay, we still haven't got here with this. It can get quite frustrating. Yeah, it's like, why? Why can't we get this? Mm. And then people moan, don't they? They go, oh, we did this last week. Well, we've done this for the past five weeks because nobody can get it. And then it's trying to rationalise it, I guess. 
But it does click one week. It's when you're trying to grow the team. That week it clicks where you've got 15 every week going forward. You've just got to keep pushing. And I guess just be persistent with it all. Although it can be very fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think what I've observed over the years coaching and playing actually for that matter is if you put an inexperienced player in a group of three or four good players or, or more, then you what you tend to find is providing they've got the mental resilience to cope with feeling like they're a bit out of their depth, they will come on far, far faster than having a group of similarly inexperienced players. It's tough for them and they feel like they're going faster than they're comfortable, but they do get it. And, and I, you've seen that quite a few times with players where they're forced to pick it up quickly and therefore ditch some of the natural tendency you have to want to know everything. Whereas I think when you have inexperienced players who are grouped together, well, two things happen. One, you often get a coach, I'll definitely include myself on this a few years back, who dumbs down too much. And you also have a bit of groupthink where the players feel like they're clueless and experienced and they'll probably look to each other for reassurance. And if that reassurance is not coming, it'll perpetuate the cycle of not really getting it. And I think coaches have a real responsibility sometimes to recognise the difference between going back to basics, explaining things clearly and concisely and telling people just to shut the fuck up and get on with the drill. In some training sessions, we think, oh my God, we've done this a hundred times. And then I think, well, hold on a minute. Not everybody has done this a hundred times. And then we go into some sort of set plane, right? Right, I'm going to grab this person by the shirt. I'm like, come on, we're going in. Let's do this. And actually, so from someone from experience grabbing someone to go, come on, let's do this. And that gives them the confidence to go, oh, actually, okay, yeah, we will just get in there and do that. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Jez says. I don't even know how bad Cat is. What's news? Went to the Lyceum Theatre last night to watch a show and got a yellow card. Can you believe that? Who does that at the Lyceum Theatre? Got a what? warning. Too much uh, tomfoolery going on. Any more of that and you're out. What? Yeah, exactly. What show were you watching? It was called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It was Maureen Nolan, one of the Nolan sisters, and someone from X Factor. It was really good. It, it was really funny and it was like loads of getting up and singing and dancing and all that. I got a bit bored towards the end, so I started making my own fun, and then all these people started complaining. And I wasn't even drinking. I only had a bottle of fizzy water. And then the man felt the need to come over and tell me, look, calm down. We're getting complaints. Well, you're out. <laughs> it's a bit ironic, isn't yeah. it? You've been to watch something that's called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> and I dared to so have fun. So you're having fun. You actually get yellow carded yeah. in the theatre. I told the man he needed to calm down. I said, you need to calm down a bit. Your mask is flapping. It's going to snap. And that really wound him up. What's going on in your world, bye? Oh, Jesus Christ. I am busy, busy. That's what I was just saying to Lou. I literally do not have a minute. 
I run in from one job, I have like 20 minutes to do something, then I'm back out again. I'm never in the house for more than 20 minutes at a time. It's not good, is it? Drives me fucking crazy. But how was your uh, romantic weekend away anyway? Wasn't romantic. Looked pretty romantic in the pictures. I don't know what porn magazine you've been reading, but that wasn't me. When I get candles out, they're not getting lit. <laughs> they don't even come out of the holder. Filth. There's no romance. It might be hot wax, but there's no romance. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you do Sambuca shots. That, that sounds like a good warm-up to me. It's like foreplay for you, that. Did you see my face when he dared to spill it? Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine, Lou? The words, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and then I have to remember that I work at a school. Luckily, there was no sound on it. It's very obvious what you were saying and what you thought. <laughs> yeah. That was in Liverpool. Got a really good deal on Woucher. 69 quid for an overnight stay for a, How apt. a really decent hotel breakfast bottle of wine and all that and then we had some friends come and join us and they paid separately because obviously they booked it last minute and it cost them 125 quid just for the room and their room was shite good deal far too many cocktails but it was okay had a good night good to hear it no romance just coma (laughs) sometimes that's the best way i had a good sleep (laughs) (laughs) so how's how's it going with thingy how many downloads and all that of the last episode and everything it's going a bit bonkers, to be honest. Are we going to get headhunted? Are we are we going somewhere? The next step is definitely a live show, isn't it, really? We get a marquee somewhere. Yeah. Ted Shed, get a few seats in. Ted Shed? It's utterly grassroots, right? It is utterly grassroots. We could do a live stream. We'll have to get some decent Wi-Fi. We have, like, party on the park. Just sit on the grass. Bring your own booze. Just sit around the big screen. We can be on a projector. We might have to think of some uh, some interesting stories between now and then, though, because like, I've got about five stories. I've used up three of them already, so I have to get myself out and about. We're running out of content. Uh, we can't talk about book plugs on the podcast, really. It's not very suitable. <laughs> well, Matt was saying he was, he's really been missing the inappropriate tags. Oh, really? Not, oh. No, I haven't. Yeah, you need to sort that out, Sherry. Got a bit of time tonight after training. Yeah, I'll get on that. Yeah. He keeps tagging me things. I know your dog is like a change of scenery now and again. I haven't been able to dog for three weeks. My dog is broken. To borrow somebody is else's it? dog, Sherry. There's only so many times you can go to the Mark Suspenser's car park in Antich without getting bored. You've got to vary your pitch a little bit. <laughs> I go uh, behind Pillow Street Chippy now near the Nantwich Players Theatre. Have something to eat afterwards. Yeah. Battered fish. <laughs> you sure it's not battered sausage? Oi, oi, Savaloi. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Topic of this the this next podcast is going to be playing in mixed ability squads because obviously it's a bit of a challenge when you're at grassroots level because you've got some people running in tries for fun like you Sherry and then you've got people that don't know which end of a ball switch like you Sherry <laughs> well I should have moved on now from the bottom level but you know I just I like it there I don't know what's going on I should be playing like Molly now, but I don't know what's gone wrong. I think it's because I didn't play from a young age. Could be the coaches. I'm just not sure. Something's not clicking. Matt, would you like to comment? Yeah, you were a coach, uh, weren't you? Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> so some people have a natural willingness and get enjoyment out of just chasing a ball around, and some people don't. I just see a lot of the stuff is irrelevant. So what specific do you find irrelevant? I don't know, at training, I get it. It's laws, Lou, it's laws. Keep up. I just find it really hard when you work it all out, this is what we'll do and this move and that move and all that. You can't predict how it's going to be in a game. You know, you say you're going to do this thing. You can't ever 
know how a game's going to pan out. If you were a coach, Sherry, I'm sure you've got a, a long and rewarding career in coaching ahead of you <laughs> when you hang up your boots at 75. <laughs> but if you design a training session that accurately reflects how an actual match goes... You can't. It's chaos and that's it. And there is no plan. You can't predict how the game's going to be. Looking at coaching and training, so you're in a training session. When do you feel like this is relevant, this is making sense to me? When do you think, oh, this is a fucking point? Rarely, to be honest. I like the line-outs. So... What's your role in the line-out, typically? Imagine if who we're playing at the weekend is listening to this. They'll be all over me. They're on to me. <laughs> I can't give the secrets away, Matthew. It's all right. I'm, think- I'm sure it will have aired well, after this. I generally out. try and stand at the back, and because I'm taller, I usually get the overthrow. and Chuck it up from there. You can't spend an entire train session just working on the basis that you might catch an overthrow, though. No, I'm not saying that. I get that you have to train. I'm not saying you don't, but it's just hard because you're training to do things a certain way, and you've just got no way of knowing how the game going to pan out do you find there are certain things that always happen in all games well yeah there's always someone really fast on the wing that we can't catch and it's really fucking annoying how would you put in place some kind of plan to stop that from happening oh we need someone the same speed you know it's never going to be me is it i'm never going to catch that person on the wing i don't know show don't put yourself down the fastest people in our team can't catch some of them and they're like really good and really fit really fast. I'm not saying training's irrelevant. I just seem to switch off for bits of it because I just think to myself, oh, this isn't going to happen in a game, but maybe it will. This is why I'm not a coach and you are. So my observation is that certain things always happen in all games. First thing that always happens in all games is we drop the restart. So you can set your watch by it. So you still send a kick into your general vicinity not you personally, it's the forward general vicinity. Somebody will call for it enthusiastically and it'll bounce off their face and it'll be a knock-on to the, to the opposition. That always happens. And it, all, so, yeah, it always happens to both teams, though, doesn't it? I think a good thing to do would be to play patterns that stop that from happening or engineer it so it deliberately happens, but you're aware of it going to happen. Derry, yes. I wanted to ask you a question. I feel like um, question this week, time. over the last few weeks, I've been doing some catering at the rugby club. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay okay, off our so, bell money. So what is your experience of post-match food? Well, I'm not naming any names. I'm a nice person. There's like a huge scale. I've been to clubhouses where you get a full Sunday roast, like a carvery. I've also been to, to clubhouses where... It's nine times cooked chips and a piece of cardboard pizza. Yeah, I think I've been to one where it was curry and rice, but there was only rice left. It varies. There's like really good and there's like really not good. Do you think it's an important part of the match, the post-match food? Yeah, because that's when you sit round and there's nothing like a nice big jug of gravy in the middle of the table that someone has to down. (laughs) Some places... That would be a good post-match fine, actually. What would you say is the perfect post-match food then? Carvery. Lots of gravy. Anything with gravy. Definitely meat. None of this vegan crap. None of that. (laughs) Surely if you're vegan, you wouldn't be playing rugby anyway because you've got no energy or strength. And lots of seconds. Maybe that's why there's so many injuries at the minute. Yeah. Because everyone's vegan (laughs) and they're getting snapped. Yeah, like a breadstick. Yeah. Like gingerbreads. Yeah, exactly. There has been a massive difference. I catered for the men's rugby team and like, yeah, cheers, lovely, nice bit of curry, that. You know, and then I catered for the ladies team and it's like, well, we've got three vegans, four vegetarians, one dairy allergy, one nut allergy. 
Yeah, and the rest want meat. No, I think lots of meat, lots of gravy, lots of seconds. You can't go wrong. If it's something in a big pan with a ladle, you're always on to a winner. And, and it's always better when, you, when you're getting your own as well because then you can have more gravy. So basically, it'd be good if you could combine rugby day with Sunday lunch, just have the two things as inseparable items. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd willingly pay extra for that. I don't care if it's in with the subs. I would pay for a carvery after the game. That is just awesome. That's the perfect Sunday. Rugby followed by a carvery followed by five pints of gravy. Five pints of gravy. <laughs> I'd like to see somebody do a straight arm pint of gravy. Yeah, you could do like a giant Yorkshire pudding eating contest. That's a good idea on a Sunday. I'd win. I, I would. I would one hundred percent win. It's a bit like Poppleums for me. There's not a number I could. I couldn't dispatch. Get everyone on a chair. Oh, easily. Give everybody a giant Yorkshire pudding. An eating race. Is this the new version of yeah. downing a pint? Yeah. It's eat a giant Yorkshire pudding as quick as you can. Yeah. Great shout. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> How big are we talking? Are we talking like giant size ones that fit a whole carvery inside them? Big as a plate. Ooh yeah. A three for a quid in Morrison's bargain. Maybe you could do combine the two, so everyone has to wear the Yorkshire pudding as a hat first whilst downing a pint, and then they have to eat their hat, which is a Yorkshire pudding. Or down the pint out of the Yorkshire pudding and then eat the Yorkshire pudding. Sounds very dangerous. Are they watertight, though? No leakage there, Lou, with your batter. No leakage. No, I don't like it when the batter leaks. That's, that's not a bad suggestion, actually. I think it needs, to, it needs to be spiced up a little bit, the old standing on a chair, downing a pint. Although some people seem to find it very, very difficult to do something as simple as downing a pint. Oh, not me. I've never struggled with that. No, you're you're really no. good at downing pints, Sherry. I'm the Mexican beer drinking champion. I'd beat all the men and all the women. Was all of Mexico? Ra- yeah. Well, at that particular <laughs> hotel at that particular day. time. I was walking around the pool after the competition that had gone on for like two days. I made it to the women's final. Then I won the women's final. Then I made it to the men's final. Then I beat the man. And I was walking around the pool and they were all asking me for my autograph, all these American people, like I was some sort of huge celebrity, (laughs) just because I can drink a pint of beer in about two and a half seconds. I couldn't believe it. Their eyes had been opened. I have to say, I think you are probably the fastest at downing pints in our club. It's this competitive thing that I've got going on. It's the same as the playing the ball on the floor thing. That's where that comes in again. So I reckon there's a challenge in here because I did an interview the other day with uh, Stourbridge ladies and one of their teammates is an absolute monster at downing points too. And their coach sent me a video of a downing race with their, the men's captain and she absolutely bosses it. So I'd quite like to see you take her on, Sherry. Should we set that up? There are some people who can actually like open their throat. You know, I've seen it on yeah, telly. Mine used to be able to do yeah, that, they don't yeah. don't actually have to swallow. They tip it directly down the throat. She might have that thing going on. No, she definitely gulps. Yeah. Is she also a porn star? <laughs> I don't know, I didn't ask. <laughs> Maybe you should have. You know, it's a personal <laughs> question that, you know. Everyone wants to divulge their what they do in their private time. I think what's been interesting, kind of watching the crew and Antwitch squad develop over the, the last couple of years or so. Um, so obviously went through a, a bit of a change, changing coaching, changing personnel a little bit after winning a league and, and a cup. And it was a, a natural punctuation in, in development of the squad. What I'm seeing now from the outside looking a little bit, and you know, Molly, Jodie, correct me if I'm wrong on this, they're still quite like, happy clappy a little bit and maybe aren't hardened perhaps to the reality of, a, of, of league rugby. And that's quite common when you get an influx of new players, you get new coaches that are coming in and so on. And I remember very vividly going back a few years where myself and the other coaches, we made the conscious decision to roughen things up a little bit and make things a bit more difficult. 
and make things a bit more physical. And it was uncomfortable for some of the players, but it was necessary because all of the sort of rugby love and the fun and the, the, the sort of you know laughter that came with the training wasn't winning matches. It was, if anything, it was causing people to get hurt. I've played in a few teams, you know, at different levels and every team goes through a period of teething issues as such. So you go through, everyone turns up to training, everyone's buzzing, it's dead good, it's dead happy. And then you have a couple of losses and it's not always going your way anymore and you have to kind of look at the team and go, oh, well, why isn't it going the way? Oh, well, because no one's been to training for the past three weeks or got a COVID outbreak or we've got an inexperienced side playing we've got you know seven people key players injured and I think especially with COVID that is going to be happening because our bodies aren't conditioned to play contact anymore Uh, we've had two years out and it's quite hard to keep motivated when attendance is so bitty because of COVID and because of you know other things the weather but I, I completely agree and I think if you speak to any women's team or men's team, everyone goes through this kind of norming, storming, performing, and then they go back. Yeah, completely. And they keep going every kind of couple of seasons. It's interesting looking at all the league results, actually. First couple of games of the season for all teams and all leagues, pretty much, seem to go more or less according to plan. And then here we are, what, three, three, four games in, and the postponements are starting. You're seeing them across all leagues, teams that are being hit by injuries and no doubt COVID is playing a part. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be really challenging to to catch up the fixtures at the end of the season and so on. I expect every team in the in the league structure from top to bottom, there'll be messages in WhatsApp groups saying, come on, got to get ourselves to training. Come on, we've got to get ourselves on the availability because you've got an away game coming up in two weeks and so on. But after two years of sort of everything being relatively easy and based on fun and enjoyment, the reality of league rugby is going to wake a few teams up, I think. Our league this year, I would much rather prefer it to be competitive. I think gone are seasons where you've got a couple of fast wingers and that wins you the league. And that's not really rugby, is it? You know, at the lower leagues, potentially that two players can make a difference between you being top of the league and bottom of the league because that's the level you're playing at. But now at championship level, it needs to be competitive. It can't be walkover rugby because you don't get the fans and you don't get the teams staying in it because it's too easy. So I think it's good that it's this way. Here's a question then. Do you think there should be relegation at the end of this season and promotion? It's hard, isn't it? Because obviously Premiership, they didn't have it last season. I'm not sure yet. This season, post-Covid, but in a normal life, yeah. Completely normal life, but I think at the moment, playing the season without any threat of relegation and any chance of promotion, I think would be a really good thing. I think that's a great shout, Matt. Get on to our league secretary. Yeah, just (laughs) get on the pitch and play rugby and enjoy it. And just get back used to it. Well, I am on Saturday. Give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) And cue Matt having a week off work next week because all his bones are broken. That's the problem. I work from home. I've got no excuse. Unless my mouth's broken so I can't talk. Do you work, Matt, or are you one of these people that does their washing and sweeps the floor? Don't even go there, Molly, after the day I've had today. Oh, we've had one bad day this month. Well, so let me tell you about a day I had the other day, right? So... I had a really, really busy day. So for the millions of listeners, I work in recruitment. So I spend a lot of my day interviewing people and also responding to people calling me and so on. Anyway, I had Hello, a really busy Matt. day. I am Job. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my name is Kevin from yeah, Crew. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty much my life. Yeah, so I was interviewing all day, and I literally didn't even have time to have a piss. I, I was literally back to back. Every time I thought, right, I've got a bit of time now, you know, something would happen. Anyway, finally got to the end of an interview, finished a little bit early, but right, go for a piss, and then I'm into the next session. I got up from my desk, went to the loo. Literally, as I walked through my door, my phone rang. So I thought, oh, Christ's sake. So I thought, right, rather than missing the call, which is then going to impact on the rest of my day, I'll, I'll grab the phone. I leapt back into my into my home office and in so doing, caught my shirt on the door handle and ripped it clean off. Well, the handle or the shirt? <laughs> the shirt. So literally four buttons just popped straight off. I ripped a giant hole in the side of my shirt. And I was literally also attached to the door handle. So I was literally talking to this candidate whilst attached to this door handle with my shirt half off. I, I really am going to win employee of the month yet again this week. It's like, for fuck's sake, that was a good day. I feel like you were doing something weird and then accidentally accepted a call and you had to think of a good excuse in the second. That's what it sounds like. That's for the other podcast. That's for the, that's for the after dark, you know, subscription only podcast. Definitely. Post watershed. Fans only. Do you wear trousers? So I wear trousers, what? Yeah, when you're Generally working. in life. In life? Oh, God, this has no, gone weird. it's not gone weird. It's a genuine question, because when I was working from home, I don't think I ever wore work-appropriate trousers. We look uh, top wore trousers. half of the body for business, bottom half for party. Yeah. I did a load of interviews <laughs> wearing a, you know, a normal work shirt and a pair of tracky bums the other day. I mean, but... look if I got changed out of my pyjamas. Sometimes <laughs> I'd be so lazy, I would be... Full in pyjamas and just like, oh, sorry, camera's not working today. Don't know what's going on there. I'll speak to Oh, IT. my God. There's always one. Molly. Grassroots salutes. Hang on. Where's Lou's news gone? I wasn't prepared so for this. Moving swiftly on. Lou's news. Grassroots News with Lou. Lou's news is fairly limited. Seems like everyone's recovered from being broken from the last time we recorded the podcast, and now they want more players. So <laughs> <laughs> there is a plethora of rugby teams looking for new recruits, possibly because their initial squad are all broken. So, yeah, there's loads of them. But one that just stuck in my mind was Taunton Rugby Club. There are lots of rugby clubs out there looking for new players. So, if you're out there and you don't currently play rugby, which I'm not sure why you would be listening to this podcast if you didn't play rugby, but if you know someone who doesn't play rugby and they would like to, I'm sure there will be a local team around you that needs women's rugby players so get in touch other than that i was going to say it's not lose news it's lose food i have now finished uh, the catering at the rugby club and i'm having a well-deserved week off are you catering on sunday no i'm not so you've got a match haven't you but i'm not doing the catering so i will actually be there at the rugby club on sunday to buy on what food the new manager in the rugby club is going to produce i can't wait for sausage and chips yes oh well who knows what you'll get it will be a surprise the surprise is 
There is no surprise. There's no food. Actually, there's a, a bit of news I'm going to throw in here, actually. So a chap called Morgan Edwards from East Dorset Dockers RFC, which is an interesting name for a club. Where are they? But exactly. East Dorset, I would guess, by the name. And they're in the shipyard, probably. <laughs> yeah. They're looking for tour locations for next year. So that's an interesting thing, isn't it? So I would say that if you're based in Dorset, you'd be wanting people to come to tour to you because that's a nice part of the world to tour. So I'd say to Morgan, look, if you want to come to crew on tour, you're welcome. Don't bother. But <laughs> we can't offer you a great deal more than a few ciders in the Wickstead, a kebab and a fight outside Harrison's at 3am. If you want to come to crew, you're welcome. But anybody else who's got a great tour venue, get in touch with East Dorset Dockers because they sound like a great club that are looking to get on the road. This is Molly's Grassroots Salute. I'm going to give my shout out to Long Eaton Ladies. And the reason I am is because I like a bit of sentimental, uh, is that they've been posting over the last couple of weeks some really cool Instagram stories. So they've been putting quotes from their players about why they started playing rugby. I'll read this one. Since starting rugby, I have not once thought about my weight or size because ultimately the goal has shifted to strength and skill. I love my legs. I used to hate having bigger thighs, but I've realised they allow me to do so much. There's power in these legs and I need that on the pitch. Where rugby is concerned, how can strength be a bad thing? Holding a scrum or lifting the line out are two key components to the game. In that sense, female players have to be physically strong in order to fulfil these moves and that requires building strength and muscle. And then it just goes on to basically say, from her point of view as a mum, her girls are proud to be part of the muscly McGinnies which I think must be their surname family, and they do not see this as a negative. I am aware, however, that in years to come, the media may change this opinion. And I just thought, do you know what? They've posted several posts like that, and I thought it was really cool that they're talking out about their daughters and the views of female rugby players out there and saying, actually, I'm not asked if I've got big thighs and a big ass. I love it. I think that's brilliant. Out of interest, do you guys feel that rugby's helped you with your own body image? I was going to save my story for the sort of mental health segment and we do in a few weeks time because mine's more to do with mental shift in my opinion of my body but I feel like rugby does have a very positive impact on how I see myself less about how media portrays my body and more about how my body can perform. I've never really been that bothered about how I look I've been more bothered about how my body performs and if that means great big thighs and biceps or not really a sleek svelte ladies figure then that's fine with me because if it makes for me to play rugby in a better way then I'm cool with that and big thighs crush skulls yeah I'm totally on Lou's page (laughs) yeah I'm with Lou on that When you're growing up and stuff, if you've got boobs and you've got a bum or whatever and you're in high school, it can be quite daunting. But actually when I've played rugby when I was 12, I thought, do you know what? I actually like being a little bit bigger because it gives me that advantage on the pitch. Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? I I think it'd be really interesting to kind of canvas opinion on that within the wider rugby community because... You definitely, as a coach, you see that shift in people. You see people come down to training for the first time and they're a bit anxious. They don't like running if bits of them wobble, for example. They don't like 
putting certain bits of kit on if it's a bit tight or doesn't fit them properly they generally lack that self-confidence and after a period of time and they start to realize what strength can do to their mental state and what it's like to be involved in a team where there are different shapes and sizes it definitely seems very liberating what i'm interested to know is does that feeling continue outside of rugby or is it only in that rugby bubble can i just say that i'm not really bothered about how i look but when i have to put on a shirt and it says 3XL, but it's really not 3XL. It's friggin' really tight fit, and I have a job to get my boobs, my arms, and my belly in it. Makes me feel a little bit self-conscious when I'm playing rugby. Can there be some kit sizes out there that represent real-size women's rugby players? Well, it just says prop rather than triple XL. It says just <laughs> yeah. says prop. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Prop I don't care. Winger. <laughs> it says prop. Right, that's mine. I'm wearing it. I don't care what number it says on the back. I'll put on. The problem is, teams got different sizes. It's tricky though because we've actually got people now that make specific clothing for women's rugby. So I think it's Rugget and Scrumbum. They make rugby clothing for women, but until they become our kit providers, our club use the same provider for the men's kit as the women's kit, and we have been in many a season where we've had men's fit and men's 3xl is not the same as women's 3xl no it's really not for fuck's sake i mean could it be any tighter i mean i might as well just shrink wrap myself and go on the pitch (laughs) didn't you wrap me in cling film once i remember that (laughs) it was chrissy's leaving to wherever she traveled to (laughs) when we all gave a massive party for her because she's going traveling and she came back three weeks later it's like yeah thanks chrissy can't be present back now Welcome back. <laughs> I don't remember that. I organised it. You were there, Jude. Louise and Matt like spanned me around in the middle of Nantwich Square <laughs> with the cling, cling film. film. What did I get cling film for? We probably robbed it from somewhere. I think that the future is that actually we have a women's kit, which is provided by people that design kit for women. Because my scrumbum shorts are massively different to my crew and Antwitch shorts. Are they? Yeah, massively different. It's the way it fits around wow. the hips and the bum. I wish I'd have had some like that. I've always played in men's shorts. Get yourself available, Lou. Well, I have now got some very new, very expensive running trainers, which is, is the first oh, step God. to me coming back to rugby, maybe. Yes, mm. please. That'd be Got nice. Got my physio appointment in a few days. New he, knee, new Lou. He may or may not allow me to run. Should we have a bet, what? Matt? Who do you think is going to return to rugby first? Lou or Maddie? Lou, 100%. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> right. right. I thought you were going to say Lou or Molly, and I was like, well, I hope it's me. I hope. <laughs> if it's Lou or Molly, I, that sounds like a fucking challenge, man. <laughs> I reckon we do that and then get Lou back on the field. On that note, I actually do need to go and pack. I did say it would be a short instalment from me. So I'm going to go pack my six shoes, seven thongs and countless amounts of Factor 50 sun cream. <laughs> condoms then. There's no condoms in my suitcase, you weirdo. You try for a baby, so why? Just have one and reuse it. Just wash it out. Just have one and reuse it. What the fuck is wrong what? with you? No offence, Jodie. I'm not taking contraception advice from a lesbian. <laughs> I've never got pregnant, so... <laughs> no. 
Wow. I wonder why. I've heard our captain puts contraception in our water <laughs> bottles so we didn't oh get my pregnant. God. That's <laughs> that maybe is why like... I got pregnant then. That's taking selection to the new level, right? It is. Honestly, she literally says to me every week, don't get pregnant. And I'm like, well, you didn't say don't snap your MCL, did you? This is the grassroots spanking of the week. Kenilworth women, nil. West Park ladies, 66. Birkenhead Park ladies, 74. Didsbury Tock H Ladies 5 Halifax Ladies 71 Lee Ladies nil. Eaton Manor Women 54 Halquin Amateurs Ladies nil. Shelford Ladies 2nd 71 Wellingborough Ladies 5 Episode 6 Grassroots Spanking of the Week goes to Bindleville Bletchley ladies who had their double helping at the all-you-can-eat whooping buffet, losing 76-0 to Sutton Coldfield ladies. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. You must remember this. So I'm pretty sure it was against Broughton Park and we were winning by, I think, 20 points to five or something like that and it was a very tight league that year and we really needed a bonus point which would, would have been scoring one extra try and we got into the second half and it was a pretty tight game pretty physical and then with 20 minutes to go the referee blew his whistle for the end of the game i don't remember, Do not remember this he had to go to a meal with his in-laws so <laughs> he literally blew the whistle with 20 minutes to play ran off the pitch, got in his car and drove off. I don't think it was a major thing for us because we won anyway. <laughs> it wasn't. It was potentially a major thing because we didn't get a bonus point. Uh. In, in the end, it didn't matter because we won the league on through another team faltering. But I've never been so angry in my life. Literally, he just just, <laughs> just thought, right, I've got to go, guys. I've got to go to a meal with my in-laws. Does he, is he aware how long a rugby match is? No, he knew full well how long the rugby match was. He said at the start of the game, I might have to blow up a bit early because I've got to get away, but we'll see how it goes. We had gingerbread down injured for, for 10 minutes, probably. <laughs> and um, yeah, 20 minutes to play, blew his whistle, ran off the pitch, got in his car, drove off, and that was it. Where do you reckon he went for his meal? I hope it was somewhere epic. It's probably Toby Carvery. <laughs> it would have been a Carvery, 100%. It was a Carvery, definitely. I don't remember that. I need to wrap my Maybe brain. Maybe playing that game. I remember Vicky going absolutely bananas but we had nobody to shout at because he'd gone <laughs> yeah. so we just had to shout amongst Amazing. ourselves <laughs> before i go i'd just like to say obviously on instagram i've been reaching out to a few teams we've had some absolutely epic feedback oh, yeah. from them just been messaging a few people like a weirdo and saying please listen to our pods blah 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 wallingford ladies rfc sent them a little link and said please give us a listen uh, they sent it to the team and they said, we'd be happy to add data to the shower etiquette questionnaire. Ooh, brilliant. And then, I don't even know how you say it. Devices. Devices. Oh, devices. We're loving the podcast. Just had this from our coach, Grassroots Podcast, episode four, discussing the click. 
Very interesting and in total parallel with what has been discussed by us, we are not alone. Haha. Their take is it's absolutely not not a click and just people with multiple common interests. And poor Helen has never heard of anyone refer to their vagina as a lady garden. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then now they are discussing vodka and barocca. I might even do a poll about shower etiquette. So I feel like shower etiquette has been a complete We really need to get every team to do a poll within their team so we can get some data together. Well, Jodie, you're the scientist of the group, so I think that should be your action from today. Mm. Oh, I can't wait for Sunday. Put some kind of data. Could the post-match pint be vodka, soda and barocca? Get shares yeah. oh, We've got to it. do that. We've so got to do that next time Sherry's player of the match. Could be a couple of years. Well, she's playing on Sunday. Is she? <laughs> Jodie, are you playing on Sunday? Yeah, I'm so excited because our, our showers are so much easier to do shower interviews in. <laughs> you don't have to sneak into someone else's changing room to do it like a whole freak. You can just sneak to the side. So it makes everything so much more accessible and less pervy. You've got to do it in the full nip as well, Jodie. You did promise that you'd yeah, do that Yeah, I'll do as it well. in the undies, but I'm not... No, 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 no undies. I'll, I'll get my tits out, but I'm not having the undies out. That's just... Uh, I've got to have some sort of <laughs> dignity here, Matt. <laughs> Excellent. Well, have a lovely shower, Jodie, and I will uh, see you uh, yeah. shortly okay. all. Thanks, Mo. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Yeah. He's being hunted down by a pack of three, running towards the touchline, shuffled into the touch. Not entirely sure. Uh, that is this is Fantasy 15. Anything goes, right? We've got a fullback and three subs. So you get a pick each of somebody who you want in your team. So Lou, you get a fullback. Anyone at all, any female you think should be in that team, you can have. I've got one for sub. And I was thinking this the other day when you said royalty. Boudica. Ooh, like it. Yeah. Interesting. Why? It's Boudica. She's badass. Well, now you've said that, all I can think of is horrible history. <laughs> it's Boudica. <laughs> she fought off the rope. Well, she didn't win, but she tried her best. She won some shit, didn't she? Yeah, she won a few battles. She was a leader of her clan. And she was just a boss-ass bitch. I think that's a great shout, because she's got that... She's obviously very fit, isn't she? Because she's been taking on the Romans, which can't be a... It's not for the faint-hearted, is it? It's not the sort of thing you can do after a few pints. You have to actually do a few squats and a few reps. Can't imagine. You can take them on. There's that many takeaways either, though, in the ninth century. So, <laughs> yeah, not too many kebab houses in downtown Colchester in the ninth century. Yeah, maybe that's why she fought the Romans because she didn't want that pasta being brought. Too many carbs. She had to get a whole new set of suit of armor made, which could take yeah. weeks. Um, <laughs> what about Oprah Winfrey? Oprah, like yeah. it. She'd take no shit. She'd be good for counselling the, the kind of snowflake players as well, wouldn't she, afterwards when they were a bit down yeah, in the mouth. Yeah, because if she's a finisher, you know, she'd be mainly on the sidelines, you know, and she can console people, the ones who've just come off and maybe just dropped the ball or whatever, you know, make them feel a bit better about it. Like it. They both get in for me. If I'm going to have a sub, I reckon I'm going to go with Claire Balding. Ooh, yeah. I love Claire. Yeah. She's a great character. She's very outspoken, good advocate for the women's game. She's a gay player, which would be good for supporting the other gay players in the squad. Good connections as well. Good for TV coverage. I think she'd be a all round a good egg to have on the bench. What position would she play? What would she be so on for? I don't know. I reckon I reckon Everything. midfield, I reckon centre. <laughs> I think she'd be utility. Centre. 
utility yeah. player. She could probably lend herself to every position. So you may have to Google this, but what about Grace Jones? I think Grace Jones is a great shout. Hey, Siri, who is Grace Jones? Grace Beverly Jones is a Jamaican-American model, singer, songwriter, and actress. Ah, oh, I know her. You no, want to watch Siri. her in a Bond film. She's about nine foot tall as well, isn't she? She's a weapon. Second row, then. Anything on the rugby pitch. Good shout. Good. And one more. Jodie, give us one more, then we're done. If we can have anyone and anything goes, I would really like Portia Woodman. <laughs> Portia Woodman? Do you mean yeah. Her? She's basically the Jonah Lomu of women's rugby. Okay, just Googling. Okay. Right, yeah. Great finisher. Oh, shit in hell. Never mind finisher. You want her on first. I think put her on the bench. That would be pretty grassroots, wouldn't it? you got bloody Dawn French in the front row and Dizzo <laughs> at 10. And you have Portia Wibble on the bench because she didn't come to training last week. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're such a loser, Portia. Yeah, are on yeah, the bench. Portia. You haven't paid your subs yet, so you have to go on the bench, I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she's just new to the team. Sorry, we don't know what you're like yet. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we try, we'll see how yet. you go in the second half, shall we? Yeah. Back in your box, Portia. We'll give you 10 minutes. There you go. Yeah. Put you on the wing. <laughs> if you put some effort in this week, we'll, we'll put we'll you think on about start it. next week. Maybe. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Takes one for the face. Catches first, preferably, and then the drive. Ooh. Full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh my God. That is extraordinary. And the kick. Lands on the head and offside is accidental. This is Every Team's Got One. Every Team's Got Somebody That Can't Down a Pint. Oh my God, yes. We've got a nickname for them. Just can't down a pint, people. <laughs> Snappy. Mm. Nothing more pitiful than watching somebody running five tries, boss it, and then stand on a chair in front of 40-odd people and basically puke after half a pint. It's the most pathetic thing in the world. It is a bit sad. And I've always said that rugby is a game of two halves. The first half is on the pitch and the second half is in the clubhouse. If you can't down a pint, then you need to question yourself. Do you reckon Portia Woodman can down a pint? No, she could probably down three. <laughs> in the time it takes us to a shot. Actually, speaking of which, Darren from Starbridge Ladies, who I did an interview with a couple of weeks back and he'll be featuring in a couple of weeks, he sent me a video of their captain, who is, fair to say, fairly slight girl. She's not a big girl at all. Downing a pint in a race against the men's captain of Stourbridge. That's quite a big club, you know, so there's quite a few people in there. And she absolutely bossed it. I mean, she must have put a pint away in two, three seconds, something like that. It was ridiculous. I can't say I've downed a pint particularly quickly, but I do remember a time that I went to play away and both front rows had to go and drink a bottle of port so not six of us oh isle of man drink that yep and then we had to stand up on a chair and drink the club colors it definitely ended in double gin and a large wine and that is where that wine and gin thing came from i always find that the people who can't drink are usually the best players as well <laughs> well probably because they can't drink <laughs> and they don't <laughs> yes do you think that not being able to down a point thing is position specific no i think it's skill specific so i think if you're good at rugby 
you haven't got room for any of the skills. <laughs> so I'm really good at downing pints, which is why I'm atrocious on the pitch. Because I just put my effort into one skill set. I like to say I'm good at both, but I think you're probably average at both. <laughs> there is something to be said for being able to at least tough it out. If you're elected player of the match, it's a bit of an honour. You need to be able to tough out downing a point. I've seen people give up after less than half a point. That's not really rugby, is it? You absolutely are not allowed to give up. It doesn't matter how fast or slow you drink the pint, you have to drink the pint. I like the commitment from some people. You know the ones who really can't down a pint and they force themselves to do it and you can actually see their eyes start watering. They've got the gag reflex going. They're they're basically crying lager going, I can't do it, I can't do it. And they're still doing it and trying to get it down. Could you imagine if they've got a pint with half a Mars bar and two packets of crisps in there as well, like it was in the old days? What? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah, the dirty pint. You had yeah. to eat your pint and then drink it. Oh, where was that? Oh, in Eccles. You have to eat an Eccles cake and down a pint, don't you? No, the food was in the pint. <laughs> you, you know, you don't get <laughs> to eat one then the other. Matt, you know where I'm coming I from. I know completely, yeah. I remember having to down a pint with cat biscuits in it. Yeah. This is because I've played rugby for a very long time. <laughs> this is before, Do like, they... health and safety and lawsuits and, and things and like nice that. And nice people. Yeah. <laughs> before five-star food hygiene ratings and shit like that. <laughs> that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. bullying became illegal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Good times, bad times. Thanks so much for listening to Grassroots, a podcast by players for players. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on CastBox and give us a comment. If you would like your team featured, please get in touch. A brilliant finish! This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.